Welcome back to another episode inside of season three of the Mass Business Podcast. My name is Matt Ward and I am your esteemed host. I'm so thankful that you're here. If you're listening on your favorite podcast app, well, welcome. And if you're watching on YouTube, hey, don't forget to subscribe and click the notification bell so that you don't miss a single episode that we put up. We greatly appreciate it. This uh, week and today specifically, I have a great guest for you. Our guest is Julia Becker Collins. She's the Chief Operating Officer at Vision Advertising a women-owned marketing agency located in Massachusetts. She has a long history of working with nonprofits and co-founded the Metro West Women's Network. Outside of work, she's an avid marathoner, a trail runner, and she tackles obstacle races such as ultras and Spartans. And she certainly is not letting her recovery from thyroid cancer or the lack of traditional races in 2020 or 2021 Due to COVID, slow her down. In fact, she ran a 50-mile ultra marathon in 2021. We're going to talk about the growth of Vision Advertising's business in this podcast, and I hope that you get some great nugget to grow your business. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Mass Business Podcast, where small business owners, also known as risk takers, share their stories about the growth of their business and themselves. Our interviews and our content is focused on growing a small business and understanding networking and referrals. I say it all the time, and I'll say it again today, you never know where your next referral will come from. All right. Well, welcome to the show, Julia. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be great. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. Now, we've got podcast listeners on their favorite podcast app, right? So they're listening on Apple or they're listening on uh, Podcast uh, Pocket, whatever it's called, <laughs> or they're watching on YouTube. Now, in under 30 seconds, just tell them a little bit about what you guys do over Vision Advertising. Absolutely. So at Vision Advertising, we do everything marketing. I like to say if it smells like marketing, we do it. Everything from social media management, content development to website development, design, hosting to SEO, organic paid, the whole kit and caboodle. You want a new logo, we can help you with that. But really, we look at how can we help you grow your business in a way that meets your goals, your needs and your budget. Ah, I like the goals, needs, and more importantly, the budget. Mm -hmm. Having come from that industry, I know that everybody's got a very low budget. And when we ask them about their budget, they never want to tell us what their budget is. That is very true. <laughs> What's up with that? Why? Because people think you're playing a game of financial chicken, but I'm really not. I really just want to know how much do you have set aside so that I can craft a plan based on your budget rather than pitching you a $200,000 plan. I love I love how you said financial chicken. Yeah. It's so great because like it, it's such a great analogy and definition because as small business owners, we buy goods and services from other people all the time, right? Yeah. And in the advertising world, we we sell to businesses. Um, you do and I did in the past. As a referral coach, I sell to businesses and I, I'm often like, all right, well, tell me a little bit about your budget. What do you, and you can just see like deer in the headlights and you know, they're asking the same question. <laughs> Cause, and I think, I think this comes from the, the trades 
Yeah. It's like, hey, I want to put an addition on my house. Well, how much is your budget? Right. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I think so how do you how ahead. do you get to the bottom of that? Well, I really I am very upfront with people about like you know, let's talk about money in the first conversation, because most people have a big fear about money, whether you've been doing this for a really long time, or it's your first business that you're running, or whatever, most people have big feelings about money. And I try to get ahead of that. Let's have that conversation early and often, because it's your money, and you should spend it wisely. And I don't have big feelings about money. So whatever your budget is, I'm comfortable with that. I'm not trying to get the money out of you. I'm trying to build trust so that you understand I will build what you need to meet your goals based on what you're comfortable spending. If that's, you know, $2,000 a month, then that's what it is. If it's $10,000 a month, then that's what that is. But it's also trying to get people to understand that oftentimes what your goals are, are not aligned with what your budget is. And so we have to kind of bring those together. You mean people have champagne taste on a beer pocketbook? Yeah, I feel like that's a common theme. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to gloss over this thing that I know the listeners are really wondering uh, without asking you. I'm not moving on to the next topic without asking you about something you said in your answer, which is you talk about money early and often because most people have this issue with talking about money and you don't. Mm -hmm. Where does that come from? Uh, <laughs> where does it come from that I'm okay talking yeah. about? I think it's because I'm just a very direct person. I am very black and white. I am very like logic based, get to the answer. I live in a land of logic and black and white. My staff could tell you I don't really deal with gray areas very well. Give me facts, not feelings. You know, come to me with, you know, here are the metrics. Here's what the website's doing. Here's where the numbers are coming from. Here's my solution. Bring me solutions, not problems. And because I live in that land, that's how my brain works. I'm okay talking about money. Money's just mm. another resource. It's another resource, just like who works on your team, who, you know, what problem are we trying to solve? I just think about it as another part of the prop, like the puzzle that we're trying to solve. Mm -hmm. I don't have feelings about the money that we're spending, that you're spending, et cetera. The separation of money or the gain of money. Right. You don't have any feeling about that. That's interesting. No. And I think a lot of people probably have feelings about that because of how they grew up. Right. Maybe they didn't have money. Maybe their parents taught them about money differently. Right. And I mean, I definitely did not grow up wealthy by any stretch of the yeah. imagination. But I also think it's because my background really started in nonprofits. Uh -oh. like 10 years of um, nonprofit marketing, fundraising, event planning. You know, you stretch a dollar to make it a dollar fifty in nonprofits. And mm -hmm. because that's really where my background started and then I moved into corporate, I understand what money can do and what money can't do. And money can't do a lot of things. And if you start having a lot of feelings about money, you're going to make poor decisions. And I've oh. seen that happen. So yeah. when I have sales conversations or when I have budget conversations, I try to be really upfront with people about money. Like, again, like I, what I said earlier, I talk about money early and often because that kind of real like gets away from those layers of feelings and you know feelings of scarcity feelings of fear in general so to the listeners out there and the viewers i love this this is a huge takeaway <laughs> right so there's 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 so much un unpacked with so many sort of one-liners in in that explanation right first of all talk about money early and often mm -hmm. don't make money emotional mm -hmm. or be emotionally attached to the money yep 
make it very logical. Mm-hmm. Keep it as black and white as you internally can, because not everybody is as black and white as you are, perhaps. <laughs> um, and I only say that not not because I I feel you're black and white, but because you say this is how I live my life. This is what I do. Is I'm black and white. I'm, I'm very analytical and logical. And I love, I love that. I mean, taking the emotion out of business is so hard for people. Mm-hmm. And yet it's such an important factor in business growth and business success. Do you feel like that has played a very uh, key part of vision advertising success over the years? I mean, I think every leader leads to their strengths, right? So yeah. I think you can have um, somebody who's more empath, you know, an empath and really leads from a place of emotion and they can do a great job leading a company. That's not who I am. So I can't speak to how that would be done, but I know it can be done. Um, I really lead from a place of like strategy and what's going to work best for everyone. But part of doing that part of, you know, leading from a place of analysis and black and white and taking the emotions out of things is really looking at everything from a holistic point of view. So when I lead from a place of analysis and black and white, I don't take the people out of it. And I think that's what's often missing is that when people are like, okay, we're going to remove emotion from business, they also move pe- remove people from business. And you can't remove people from business. You have to really look at it from the full scope of things and say, okay, if I'm trying to lead from a place of like, here's how we get to the next stage of business. Here's how I do the next thing for my business. Here's how I serve my business in the best way. You still have to take into account people because people do have emotions. So even though you're trying to lead from a place of not having, you know, making decisions with emotions, you still have to take into account that people still have those emotions. And if you don't pay attention to that, that's where a lot of poor decision-making comes from. So Um, when you train people, how you onboard people, how you um, hire people, how you fire people, how you um, onboard clients, how you make big strategy changes in a company, how you grow a company, because there's always growth pains internally when you grow a company. And how do you deal with that internally? Because your staff will have feelings about that. I really believe in transparency. I really believe in honest and open communication. And so my staff, even though they know I'm very much facts, not feelings, they also know they can come to me and say, I'm feeling overwhelmed. How do we deal with this? You know, how do we work through my workload? And I'll be like, oh, yes, let's do this. Mm -hmm. Let me rearrange things for you. I want you to feel good about this change. So it's not putting on the blinders to emotion. It's realizing that people are whole human beings Mm -hmm. and you need to incorporate that. They have lives outside of work. They have needs outside of work. How do you meet kind of all of that and still be focused on the end goal? Yeah, still get the work done, right? Exactly. I mean, and, and what? Yeah, I love that. You, you know, you can take the emotion out, but you can't take the people out. Exactly. And, and and people inherently are emotional people. They come to work with um, life's problems. And we hear this all the time: is you don't know what the next person next to you is dealing with, you know, behind the scenes. Exactly. And Yet we expect everybody to be at the highest level possible every single day. And so I, I, I love it. I've not really ever met a business owner that leads like you do in the way that you, you do. And, and what's interesting is this, this isn't necessarily a leadership podcast, but certainly 
leading a company, growing a company, the success of a company matters greatly mm -hmm. on many, many different things, including the people involved. You know, how we want to scale. Do we add people? Do we go solopreneur with contractors? You know, how big we make the company, um, how we deal with revenue, how we, you know, all these, there's so many challenges and there's so many different ways to skin the cat. So as they say, that yes. there's no right way or wrong way. There's your way and my way. And that's one of the reasons why I think this podcast exists is What's one thing a listener can take away from our conversation and implement in their business today that could help them grow, you know? And I love this idea about, it, it's probably easier said than done, right? It's going to take yeah. a lot of practice to separate the feelings of money emotionally from the feelings of, or, or from, from money discussions. But I think the first thing they can start doing is having the upfront conversation very early and as you say, often. And I think that helps the situation a lot more. And it gets away from the dance, right? The awkward it, dance. When you separate your feelings from it, you don't have the awkward dance when you're trying to sell. You don't have the awkward dance when you're trying to buy. You don't have the awkward dance when you're trying to hire people. You know, it just creates an easier environment in general. Yeah. You know, say you're trying to scale your company and you're hiring new staff and you have a really you know strict budget you need to stay within five thousand dollars or something on an annual salary you're bringing on a full-time person and you've really like you know you have to be within this very specific budget and you're really concerned that this person you think is so amazing and could be so great to help scale your company is bringing so many assets to the table it's just going to want so much more than that well so then why don't you do yourself the favor and have that conversation earlier and see if you're on the same page and don't say, you know, don't have this kind of like veiled conversation. Just be like, you know, I'm a very open and honest person. Let's have a transparent conversation to see if this is all going to work out because, you know, I don't want to waste your time. You don't want to waste my time. Like, yeah. let's get to the same place about, you know, if we're all on the same page and if we are, we can continue chatting about this position. Do you, I mean, do you feel like these upfront conversations is open? I love how you're putting that open, honest, um, Transparent. Transparent conversations. When you use those words in conversations with both prospective employees and prospective clients, especially on the client side, do you find that you do a lot less follow-up when it comes to the sales process? Yep. <laughs> I would think so, right? Yeah. Because they're going to self-select out if it's not a fit, right? Yeah. A lot of the sales process for me is just, you know, talking about who I am, about the company, et cetera. But one of the things I always say during the sales process is, you know, this is who I am. This is who I am no matter what. This is who I'm going to be when you work with me, at, you know, as a client. And this is who I am when I go home to my husband. Like, this is it. This is Julia. I'm not, you know, work Julia and home Julia and ultra marathon Julia. This is it for me. And so if you're in, like, let's hang out. Let's get, you know, let's get a drink of whiskey and let's, you know, do some business together and all these awesome things. But if that doesn't work for you, that's okay too. Mm -hmm. Like I am totally fine if I, I'm not the person for you. That's okay with me. And I try to have people self-select out early because I am not for everyone. This company is not for everyone. And as a business, no matter the size of your business, one of the biggest takeaways I hope people get from this is you should not be for everyone. 
and you should not want to be for everybody. We have been talking about this on the podcast from the very first episode that my coach taught me and told me that you have to know who you're for and who's for you. Mm-hmm. Tamson Webster. She's a fantastic communications coach. And I, I just, I'll never forget doing a big speech in Las Vegas. And somebody got up out of the audience. And I was thinking in my head, where are you going? Right. I was in the middle of my speech talking to a thousand plus people. And I'm like, where are you going? This is good stuff. And I told her that story. And she says, you got to know who's for, you don't need all those people. And I'm like, you're right. I <laughs> I need like one <laughs> out of a thousand. I'm totally fine with this. And it took me a reframing of the mind to think like that. And I just constantly repeat that statement to myself all the time now. And it's, it's such a basic statement, but so hard for some business owners to really embrace the idea of. And I love that. Let's talk about, um, you, you mentioned transparency. I would love to know what one thing you guys did is vision advertising trying to grow, but it failed. Oh, sure. Uh, well, you know, during the pandemic, lots of people had to pivot. You yep. know, I feel like a good friend of mine said, we all now have pivot fatigue. <laughs> yep. Which I feel like vision advertising has, everybody has. If you own a business, if you run a business, you must have pivot fatigue. Um, so we tried to launch a series of um, like paid for webinars mm -hmm. um, as another source of income, which I thought, you know, it's a great idea. Again, beginning of the pandemic, you have to sell differently. You have to do things differently. Um, you know, one of the best ways I used to sell in the before times was to get up in front of a thousand people, 10,000 people, 500 people, 20 people, whatever, and give a presentation mm -hmm. or give a talk or uh, lead a professional development seminar. And then I would have four clients from that just automatically because I am great in front of a group of people. Mm -hmm. But obviously that went away and that's okay. But then how do you fill that funnel? when there is none of that. So we're like, okay, well, let's do this as a video series, but you have to pay for it. And we'll do interviews with other professionals, et cetera, et cetera. We'll create a whole funnel. We'll create like a series of courses. We'll build out a website, et cetera, et cetera. We put really a lot of resources into it, internal resources. And it didn't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there. And that's okay, right? Like. This is why I keep saying to my staff because they're so frustrated about it. Yeah. I'm like, that happens. And then you take that, you know, those resources and you take what you built and you kind of sandbox it and you say, I will use these videos for something else later. We're not going to throw it out. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll build it out and use it at some other time, but let's stop paying for this huge website that we don't need anymore and change our strategy. Yeah. We can't just, you know, it's the, whatever it's called. Um, false, uh, whatever, um, resource, uh, idea where you've like already put so many resources into something. So you should yeah. keep putting it in. I forget yeah. the name of it right now. Um, I'm going to remember it after. Yeah, done. I agree but, with you. And then, but it's, you shouldn't, once you realize there's a problem, you move on and you need to pivot again. And so that's what we did. So we basically took what I had been previously doing in the before times, which was, you know, doing these seminars and workshops, et cetera. And now we do them virtually, but we do them live. And so we do Facebook live. Right. We partner with organizations like Center for Women and Enterprise with Best, Better Business Bureau or et cetera. And we 
present live webinars. And so it's just another you know, way to reach people. And that's been really successful for us. Yeah. But it's that pivot to figure that out. I had, I had one of those products when I had, when I was at uh, in concert, the marketing agency I had in like 2015, we built a product that was for realtors. It was a blogging product. It was called crescendo. And, uh, my market research said that it was a no brainer and I went to market. And I didn't sell one license for it. Right. And, and I was just like, Oh, this is horrible. But to your point, we, so what we did was we didn't keep going after it. We shelved it. It was, we, you know, we custom built software that runs and integrates with WordPress and it, it, it becomes an asset at that point that you can then sell. And I sold it with the agency, but you know, we were always looking for an opportunity to plug that into another idea right um, down the road. Not because we felt like we had to, but we we felt like, hey, we have this thing now, and it didn't work over here. Is there a piece of that we can pull over into here? So, like the videos you're talking about, those types of things are great for onboarding clients and things like that. I do that in my in my uh, speaking business all the time now. If I do a video for somebody or I do a coaching call, I'll go right on video and record a three minute video afterwards about kind of what that call was about, the tips, ideas, and things like that. Um, and I, I I think there's an important lesson here, which is you know, we didn't, we didn't fail. We just weren't as successful as we thought we were. And so now how can we use this item somewhere else in another way, repurpose it? Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the big things I always say to my staff, I say, you know, making mistakes isn't the problem. I make mistakes every day. I am nowhere near perfect at all whatsoever. You are going to make mistakes. I am going to make mistakes. The client will make mistakes. Making mistakes isn't the problem. The problem or how, you know, the end result, the big thing is how do you deal with the mistake? And 99.9% .9 of the time, how you deal with a mistake, whether it's a client issue or an internal issue or a launch issue or a pivot issue, how you deal with the mistake is going to be a bigger deal than the mistake itself. And not making it a second time. The same <laughs> right. mistake. Right. right. Learning from it. Um, being open and honest with the client, if yeah. you cause the problem, creating a solution before they even realize there's a mistake, uh, realizing that there's an opportunity that's uh, been opened up because of the mistake, um, showing that there was a weakness that you didn't see was there before because of the mistake. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, you know, a learning opportunity for the whole team because of the mistake. There's so many opportunities there, yeah. right? Like, oh, I forgot to cancel this thing that was on auto pay. Okay, so now we have another month of this resource. What can we get out of that? And then let's make sure that we're auditing all of our auto pay resources. Right. Like, like, what can you get out of this? I'll never forget when I hired my GM the very first week, I had him do an audit on our hosting accounts and he found mm -hmm. that 25% of our clients weren't being billed hosting. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, that's lost revenue. <laughs> but can't go back and charge them all the years that yep. or whatever it was. It's just get them on it now. Let them know, hey, right. this is going to start now. And right. you, you got a bonus in advance of this. <laughs> it was good. So um, one thing I always like to talk to guests about when they come on is, is um, software. You know, there's so many different pieces of software out there to grow a business. And certainly there's some uh, unique software in your industry. But what... What software do you think global software would be a game changing tool or piece of software for other business owners, depending on the agency? Sure. So depending company, on I mean. 
Right. Depending on yeah. the industry you're in. Yeah. Um, so if you work with clients, I really, really recommend that people use a time tracking software. Um, it could be free like Toggle. It could be paid like Harvest, but you want something that integrates really well with your project management software. Uh, we use Asana. It, that mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's the gold standard, but that's what we use. But they kind of integrate well with each other. The reason you want to use something that's time tracking is because a, it makes it really easy to show the client, yes, this is the work that we're doing for you. And, you know, yes, this is what we spent time on. And here's who spent the time on it. And you can put notes in there, et cetera, et cetera. So you can very easily pull reports. But it's also a really good internal tool to manage scope creep. And it's also a really great way to get buy-in from your staff on how much work is being done. And so you can see as the manager or the leader, okay, so Joe is working 60 hours a week and you know Jane is you know working 30 and that's not a criticism of anybody, but that's a resource issue, right? Mm -hmm. So let's maybe move some projects around. Projects. Right, yeah. and part of the buy-in from the staff, and I really had to work on this with my staff when I came on board because it was there was a sense of like, well, you're micromanaging everything we're doing and you're going to see if we're working or we're not. And I was like, no, 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 this has nothing to do. I don't want you to track your lunch. I don't want you to track, mm -hmm. you know, checking internal emails. This has to do with, are we getting paid correctly by the client? How much work are you doing? Are you overworked? You know, where, when and where can we bring on a new staff person? Where can I put and park new projects? And it's holding the client accountable for paying us when they should be paying us. So um, really great free resources toggle. They have a they have free and paid. And then we use Harvest because it integrates really well for us. Mm -hmm. um, but I would definitely use something like that. And then use something like a project management software, whether it's Asana or Monday.com or mm -hmm. something like that. So you keep yourself organized and then you have a mobile app. So if you're in a meeting, you can just pull things up take notes, no problem, um, have your laptop taking notes. You just don't want to leave everything to your memory. No. Yeah, it's so great you said that. <laughs> like, because my memory used to be a seal trap, and then I went through cancer treatment, and yeah. now it's called Swiss cheese brain. Uh, so, <laughs> thank the Lord that we have project management software. <laughs> right. I mean, we, we at the agency, we did time tracking as well, and what we found was that um clients were getting a bunch of free work you know oh. because now we start tracking their time and it's like wait a second last month we only built them a couple hundred bucks but we this month alone same work request pretty much mm -hmm. and it's like 350 400 dollars like and a lot of money you can be that's real money like oh yeah and yeah. i think that a lot of small businesses don't realize how much time tracking software can actually help them um oh. the other thing is you you can see it's not really meant for this but you can see your most productive employees those mm -hmm. that are basically billing out at, at higher rates because they're very productive and focused people on their work and they have a way in which they work that's very efficient well now you can then get them to try and share some ideas on productivity hacks with other team members which is super effective as well I also like it because if you have people that are more people pleasers on your team and they're just going to keep saying to you, yep, I'm fine. Give me that project. Absolutely. Load me up. And then you look at their time and you're like, you're not fine. You are absolutely not fine. Let me help you. Mm. And that's a role for the manager, right? Yeah. Let me help you deal with this because you are going to burn out. 
So let me deal with this and help you work through that. Right. So, and again, that's another part of that. Like, I'm going to remove the emotions, but you have emotions. So let me project manage this for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, good point. Um, Another question I like to ask my guests, um, because this is a small business focused podcast, is what small business book would you recommend that somebody get their hands on and read that would help them grow their business? Um, I always recommend anything by Adam Grant. So he is uh, basically my management guru. (laughs) If I had a guru, he um, most people in marketing really, really love uh, Seth Godin and he's fantastic. But Adam Grant is an organizational psychologist who focuses on um, making work not suck. I think that's what he says. And he talks about how people work together, um, how to get people to be productive but still enjoy their jobs, and how to be a better leader. I know he just had a book come out, but he has a ton of books. And they're really about management, but they're about leadership, and they're about how to better run a company. And it could be a teeny tiny company or it could be a huge company. And he also has podcasts and he has um, like an Instagram account, Twitter, everything. You can get tons of content from him. Cool. Yeah, we'll definitely link his uh, Amazon author page on our show notes so that people can check out all the books by Adam Adam Grant. Um, now, that's good. I actually have not read any of Adam's books myself. Um, I'm a big, avid business book reader. Um, and so I'll have to take a look at the ones he's written and see which ones fit well with me. And he's great. kind of drive me into that idea. Um, yeah, it's been good. I mean, it's so many great takeaways about business growth. And um, and obviously, I mean, you guys have been doing networking for years. I, I you know, ran into vision advertising years ago when I had my own agency through the Worcester Chamber of Commerce and the Worcester Business Journal and many of the events in and around Worcester. So very familiar with you guys. Um, if somebody wants to reach out and network with you, maybe become a business referral source, um, maybe they're an IT company or something like that, or they just want to talk Adam Grant stuff. <laughs> uh, how can they get a hold of you, Julia? Absolutely. So you can find us on our website, vision-advertising.com. You can find me personally on LinkedIn or on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at Julia Rifka. That's J-U-L-I-A. R as in Rachel, I, V as in Victor, K, A. You can also find us on Instagram at Vision Advertising Rocks because we do. We're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And uh, feel free to reach out. I'd love to talk about Adam Grant. That's cool. That's awesome. We're going to put all those links in the show notes and make sure that everybody has access to all those fun social media accounts and things like that. And I want to encourage you folks to reach out to Julia and have a conversation You never know where that could lead. And as I always love to say, you never know where your next referral could come from. Absolutely, Uh, It's been great uh, having you on the show. Folks, if you're listening on your favorite podcast app, I'd love for you to subscribe to the Mass Business Podcast so that you get every episode that we drop when they come out. And if you're on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and click the notification button so that you don't miss a single episode that we put up on the platform. And until next time, don't forget to live happy, smile a lot, and high five everyone around you. Thank you for listening to the Mass Business Podcast, where we focus on growing a small business and understanding networking and referrals. Don't forget to like on your favorite platform 
and share out this podcast. This show has been produced by Heather Grant, music by Celtic Kelly, all rights reserved. I'm your host, professional speaker, author, and word-of-mouth referral consultant, Matt Ward. Don't forget to live happy, smile a lot, and high-five everyone around you. Telling you